0: Chapter Seventy Four of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Seventy Four In Which Doctor Toole, in his boots, visits mr gamble and sees an ugly client of that gentleman's and something crosses an empty room here's a conspiracy with a vengeance muttered toole if a body could only make head or tail of it widow Hey? we'll see why she's like no woman ever i saw mrs nutter forsooth and he could not forbear laughing at the conceit poor charles tis ridiculous though upon my life i don't like it it's just possible it may be all as true as gospel they're the most devilish-looking pair i've seen out of the dock curse them for many a day i would not wonder if they were robbers The widow looks consumedly like a man in petticoats. Hey, devilish like. I think I'll send Moran and Brian up to sleep tonight in the house. But hang it, if they were, they would not come out in the daytime to give an alarm. Hello, Mogi! Throw me out one of them papers, till I see what it's about. So he conned over the notice which provoked him, for he could not half understand it and he was very curious well keep it safe moggy said he hm it does look like law business after all and i believe it is no they're not housebreakers but robbers of another stamp and a worse i'll take my davy see said he as a thought struck him throw me down both of them papers again there's a good girl they ought to be looked after i dare say and i'll see the poor master's attorney to-day do you mind and we'll put our heads together and that's right relict indeed and with a solemn injunction to keep doors locked and windows fast and a nod and a wave of his hand to mistress mogie and muttering half a sentence or an oath to himself and wearying his imagination in search of a clue to this new perplexity he buttoned his pocket over the legal documents and strutted down to the village where his nag awaited him saddled and jimmy walking him up and down before the doctor's hall door toole was bound upon a melancholy mission that morning but though properly a minister of life a doctor is also conversant with death and inured to the sight of familiar faces in that remarkable disguise so he spurred away with more coolness though not less regret than another man to throw what light he could upon the subject of the inquest which was to sit upon the body of poor charles nutter the little doctor on his way to ring's end without the necessity of diverging to the right or left drew bridle at the door of mr luke gamble on the blind key attorney to the late charles nutter and jumping to the ground delivered a rattling summons thereupon it was a dusty dreary wainscoted old house indeed two old houses intermarried with doors broken through the partition walls the floors not at all on a level joined by steps up and down and having three great staircases that made it confusing through the windows it was not easy to see such a fantastic mapping of thick dust and dirt coated the glass luke gamble like the house had seen better days it was not his fault but an absconding partner had well-nigh been his ruin and though he paid their liabilities it was with a strain And left him a poor man, shattered his connection, and made the house too large by a great deal for his business. Dr. Toole came into the clerk's room and was ushered by one of these gentlemen through an empty chamber into the attorney's sanctum. Up two steps stumbled the physician, cursing the house for a place where a gentleman was so much more likely to break his neck than his fast and found old gamble in his velvet cap and dressing-gown in conference with a hard-faced pale and pock-marked elderly man squinting unpleasantly under a black wig who was narrating something slowly and with effort like a man whose memory is laboring to give up its dead while the attorney with his spectacles on his nose was making notes the speaker ceased abruptly and turned his pallid visage and jealous oblique eyes on the intruder luke gamble looked embarrassed and shot one devilish angry glance at his clerk and then made dr toole very welcome when toole had ended his narrative and the attorney read the notices through mr gamble's countenance brightened and darkened and brightened again and with a very significant look, he said to the pale, unpleasant face, pitted with smallpox, "M. M-M, M." and nodded. His companion extended his hand toward the papers. "Never mind," said the attorney. "There's that here will fix M. M-M M. in a mighty tight vice." "And who's M. M-M M. pray?" inquired Tool. "When were these notices served?" Doctor? asked mister Gamble. Not an hour ago. But I say who the plagues M M? answered Toole. M, -M," repeated the attorney, smiling grimly on the backs of the notices, which lay on the table. Why, there's many queer things to be heard of M. -M. And the town and the country, too, for that matter. Is like to know a good deal more of her before long, and who served them a process server or who why a fat broad bull-necked rascal with a double chin and a great round face the color of a bad suet dumpling and a black patch over his eye answered tool very like was he alone said gamble no a long sly she-devil in black that looked as if she'd cut your windpipe like a cat in the dark as pale as paper, and mighty large black hollow eyes. Ay, that's it," said Gamble, who, during this dialogue, had thrown his morning gown over the back of the chair, and got on his coat and opened a little press in the wall, from which he took his wig, and so completed his toilet. That's it," repeated Tool. "What's it? What's what? Why, 'tis David O'Regan." Dirty Davy, as we call him, I never knew him yet in an honest case, and the woman's m M-M. m hey, to be sure, a woman I know, I remember, and he was on the point of breaking out with poor Mrs. McNamara's secret, but recovered in time. That's the she fortune- teller, the witch m M-M, m Matchwell was one of her printed cards you know was found lying in sterk's blood dr sterk you remember that they issued a warrant for against our poor friend you know ay ay poor charles poor nutter are you going to the inquest said gamble and on a sudden stopped short with a look of great fear and a little beckon of his hand forward as if he had seen something there was that in Gamble's change of countenance which startled Toole, who, seeing that his glance was directed through an open door at the other end of the room, skipped from his chair and peeped through it. There was nothing, however, visible but a tenebrose and empty passage. What did you see, eh? Hey? What frightens you? said Toole? One would think you saw Nutter, like, like, Gamble looked horribly perturbed at these words. Shut it," said he, nearing the door on which Toole's hand rested. Tool took another peep and did so. Why, there's nothing there, like, like the women down at the mills there," continued the doctor. "What about the women?" inquired Gamble, not seeming to know very well what he was saying. Agitated still, perhaps intending to keep Tool talking why the women the maids you know poor nutter's servants down at the mills they swear he walks the house and they'll have it they saw him last night pish sir tis all conceit and vapours women's fancies a plague o them all. and where's poor mrs nutter said gamble clapping on his cocked hat and taking his cane and stuffing two or three bundles of law papers into his coat-pockets at home at the mills she slept at the village and so missed the ghost the mcnamaras have been mighty kind but when the news was told her this morning poor thing she would not stay and went home and there she is poor little soul breaking her heart mr gamble was not ceremonious so he just threw a cursory and anxious glance round the room clapped his hands on his coat-pockets, making a bunch of keys ring somewhere deep in their caverns, and all being right. "'Come along, gentlemen,' says he. "'I'm going to lock the door.' And without looking behind him, he bolted forth abstractedly into his dusty anteroom. "'Get your cloak about you, sir. Remember your cough, you know. The air of the streets is sharp,' said he with a sly wink to his ugly client who hastily took the hint is that coach at the door bawled gamble to his clerks in the next room while he locked the door of his own snuggery behind him and being satisfied it was so he conducted the party out by a side door avoiding the clerks room and so downstairs drive to the courts said the attorney to the coachman and that was all Toole learned about it that day. So he mounted his nag and resumed his journey to Ring's End at a brisk trot. I suppose when he turned the key in his door and dropped it into his breeches pocket, the gentleman attorney assumed that he had made everything perfectly safe in his private chamber, though Toole thought he had not looked quite the same again after that sudden change of countenance, he had remarked. Now, it was a darksome day, and the windows of Mr. Gamble's room were so obscured with cobwebs, dust, and dirt, that even on a sunny day they boasted no more than a dim religious light. But on this day a cheerful man would have asked for a pair of candles to dissipate the twilight and sustain his spirits. He had not been gone, and the room empty ten minutes, when the door through which he had seemed to look On that unknown something that dismayed him opened softly at first a little then a little more then came a knock at it then it opened more and the dark shape of charles nutter with rigid features and white eyeballs glided stealthily and crouching into the chamber and halted at the table And seemed to read the endorsements of the notices that lay there. End of chapter seventy four. Recording by John Brandon.